0: I think that's inversely proportional to the amount that you drink before you enter said pizzeria.
1: I was stone cold sober. It was a static cling issue. <laughs>
0: Concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode eight entitled Life Imitates Television. Okay, here we are, beginning of episode eight. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Awesome, Joe. Good to see you. Hello. Hello. And Jack.
1: Greetings
2: from uh, sunny Florida. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. So, Jack, you know we've got the Griffey Division. Everybody's two and three, and uh, I think you did a little work. You were kind of texting me some stuff that you did, and we're looking at how the the Griffey Division was doing against the other two divisions, and some interesting stuff came up. So, what are you seeing?
2: Uh yeah, we uh the the Griffey division is uh, is is not holding up at this point. Um once dubbed the Champions division, um at this point we actually started out the first week we all played each other. Um so obviously that didn't come into play the second week. Uh two of us played out of division and we went 2 and 0 that week. Since then, we have gone 1 and 7 versus the uh the rest of the league. Uh, so a total of three and seven right now for the uh, the Griffey division playing outside of the Griffey division. And um, it continued this week. Um, a few things stood out. Um, obviously, Joe and uh, his angry uh, Manny Machado dropping a 7.8 on me. That wasn't very nice. I didn't appreciate that. The, um, the two things that really stood out for me this week were uh, – you know, we uh, we had Scotty on from the uh, Omission Commission last week, <clears throat> and his team of the future um, scored uh, 51 again, and is now currently tied for tops in the uh, power poll. So um, that was interesting. the uh, The other thing that stood out was the uh, the fire sale uh, and uh, complete rejuvenation of uh, one of our squads this week while they were. Uh, winning and uh, are currently tied for first place uh, in their division.
0: Interestingly enough, everybody that traded with Greg has some connection to the podcast. So Mikey told me that he actually altered his trading strategy once he listened to episode seven. So we'll have to ask him about that when he visits the the podcast. Very interesting, right? However, Um, Being tied for first and shipping off the talent you shipped off, any regrets, Greg?
1: No, it's because it's not like I traded them for nothing. You know, um, I I think that on the whole, in terms of point production, I'm still, uh, you know, I might be a net benefit, you know, in the the present term. Now, tonight's action in the league uh, made those trades. I'm the early loser on these trades based on just today's action. But no, I mean you know Altuve is no slouch, and um, you know I I think that uh, Suarez is, is is good as well. You know, so I think I upgraded my team now and for this year and definitely for the future. And I'm be happy to tell you all about you know now that the deal's done, Joe, why I think I got the better of you. But you know that's uh, that's the fun of the game.
3: I, you know, and and I don't disagree with that. And and uh, I got something I needed. You got something you needed and I had something to replace what I gave
0: up, so I'm okay with it. What was the trade with Joe?
1: I sent uh, uh, Posey and Cespedes and Franklin Burrito and uh, Ozzy Albies to Joe in exchange for Altuve and leodi Tavares. My logic, of course, now that I can I can reveal it to Joe fully, is that you know I, I look at Posey as being... Uh, Prime to be moved right now because the way I look at it, you know, and history could prove me wrong. He's he's a future Hall of Famer, but I look at it as he is Joe Mauer in the waiting, meaning that he is either going to remain at catcher because he is a strong defensive catcher, but that will necessarily erode his power and even maybe his uh, his his average, or they're going to pr- place a premium on that. Uh, offense. And so they're going to move him to first base where he'll be a good first baseman, but not an elite first baseman. And so that's why I moved him, you know, Cespedes, you know, I just tired of him like most people in our league do. And they, they wanted to trade him around. He he goes on amazing hot streaks, but then he's unreliable. And then as far as the minor leaguers go, I really um, have a bloated roster. And so it was either drop some of these players or, you know, get, get a player in Leody Tavares who I had placed a premium on during the draft, but I hadn't been able to get him. And so Albies, I look like it, you know, to me, he could be fantastic or it could be another Al Escobar, you know, who's a highly um, heralded, but light hitting fast type of middle infielder and uh, and burrito, you know, I only had him for a week, so I wasn't that emotionally attached.
3: Yeah. And I think your assessment of the trade is pretty good. And, Posey works for me because my the catcher I would normally have in there Ramos is going to be out till the middle of the year, and my other catcher is a is a complete rookie um, who is up and down. I think he'll be okay, um, but Posey can provide me points right now, and I think he's going to catch enough this year that he's going to be available next year, and that's all I'm really looking at with it. You know, Al, Altuve. Gotta love him. Uh, that was it. Was tough for me to part with him, but you know he's he's going to stand you in good stead for a while. And uh, I agree with you about Tavares. That was actually the hardest part of that deal for me because I think he's going to be really good. Um, my outfield is in is is not in great shape, and, and you know if I play him right, once he comes back, Cespedes might give me some value. Um, I'm unfortunately now in the position you were in where I have a bloated uh, farm system. And fortunately for me, I have at least one player I'm not married to and probably two. So hmm. I'm okay with it.
1: Well, yeah, and clearly we're playing for different years. I mean, you know, I was happy to win last week. You know, I'm always going to play to win. They were going to tank a season intentionally, but I'm, I'm playing to win this trade in... 2019 and I feel like Al- Altuve is built he's 27 I think he's his game is built for some longevity uh you know so in three or four years I think Altuve will still be an elite player where I think Posey will be a you know a, a standout by catcher standards but not necessarily an elite fantasy player by fantasy standards
3: and I would just like to point out that if I didn't have Posey, I wouldn't have any points at all tonight
1: against you. So, well, I get it. I said, like day one of the trade, I'm losing. It, clearly, I think uh, Carpenter went along in, uh, in in my other big deal. But I the Yankees are pitching. And what were your other big deals? I, I see a, a pitching
3: staff that I traded to Tim that he couldn't live without is all of a sudden playing for a different team now.
0: I yeah. So I I need a <laughs> I need a staff that I can count on with. The Yankees, there's a lot of young pitchers. They're having a great hot streak right now, both hitting and pitching. I think we all have played this game long enough to know what's coming. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's three weeks down the road. But I'm going to need a staff that I can count on and an organization that will make the investments that need to be made if that staff falters. And so for me, the Cubs made sense. But, man, my my team is just limping along. I'm not feeling confident about my team. I still am very unsettled. In the trade that you made, Joe, I think that the the Posey move to me was the one that made the most sense. Clearly, you believe in your team. You've been stating that all along. And you made the right investment at the right time. And you may end up paying for it. We all know how that feels two years, three years from now. And to see one of those players uh, that you're never going to get back doing really well. But you know i think in the long run uh you know greg was pretty clear and and it changed strategy and has stuck to that strategy i mean
1: pretty clear in in my defense for this year though tim altuve is an upgrade uh for my roster right now and weeters is playing decently and you know aside from last week carpenter wasn't exactly lighting it up so i you know i don't know that i got all that much worse in the moment
0: no i hey i'm not disagreeing with you there i think that um you know, for you, and you said it earlier on, you're not going to stop trying to win. It's just that the guys that you're going to win with have to have a longer window ahead of them as opposed to behind them. That That's kind of what I heard from you. Um, you know, but I don't think by giving up Posey that you really think you've got a shot this year. Because Posey's the type of guy that you want on a championship team. He's below... Uh, his normal run rate right now, you know, he's going to come back in the line unless there's an injury. I haven't heard that there's an injury with Posey Um, and he gets more at bats because he plays first base. Um, The pop is definitely not there, but it's been kind of a nasty spring out here in the Northwest.
2: So, you know, maybe that's what it is.
3: And he did have a double and a home run tonight.
1: Yeah.
2: I, um, Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to jump in real quick and make sure we didn't get too far away from you. You weren't, legitimately comparing Posey and Weeters, right? I mean, at the moment, mathematically, yes, obviously that's the case, but uh, in the long run, there's there's no comparison between those two. You, you...
1: No, I'm not comparing them, but I am saying that as far as catcher goes, you know, in, in terms of differentiation, you got Posey, and then you got mostly everybody else.
2: Right. So, no, I agree. So,
1: I've, I've had Posey since he was in the minor leagues, and yet, I've never won with them. So my thought is that I'd rather upgrade other positions, and that the um, the spectrum uh, between the elite catchers and the and the rest of the league isn't as uh, marked as it is in other positions.
2: I will say that I made a, a similar move on a on a slightly lesser scale, um, not uh, before last season, maybe the, the prior year. I had um, Luke Roy and uh i felt kind of the same way uh, that was why i ended up doing it gave him to tim and um i've regretted it multiple times <laughs> since it's um, you it's easy to say oh well all the other catchers are the same and First of all, if you have one, then you weren't the same. So you don't know what it's like. And then once you get into it, trust me, Greg, it's a whole lot more frustrating than you think it is after you've run with a posy for a few years. So I understood both sides of the trade. I, I, um, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe, I, I like El Tuve a lot. I still thought maybe you could have got a little more if you had shopped, Greg, I don't know. Um, but uh, but I understood
1: you know, oh, but I did shop. I did shop Posey around. I did make some other trade offers before I, I made offers to Joe. And I'll leave that, you know, for the other owners to share if they ever care to. But I did make other offers to people with with Posey in, in the trade and, and I thought they were, you know, on par and no 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 takers. And I and
3: I would say that that, you know, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but Greg traded with me the way it works for me. I got something I needed. I gave up something I had surplus It. A lot of times when I get offered trades, they make no sense to me. And and that's part of the reason I don't trade very much. Tim Tim knows how to approach me with a trade. Jack, you and I have traded. It's been a long time since we have. But when I make a trade, it's, it's got to benefit both sides.
0: So uh, just to wrap this conversation up, Lethal Injection actually suffered their first loss. I'm really interested to see uh, what Mikey's thoughts are on his team. Uh, St. Locash, Stinkfist, took a loss. It was a tough loss. He, I think he was feeling high for a few weeks. We'll see if he changes his name. Omission Commission, again, takes me out with a pretty strong week. I will say that Ben Benintendi and his beautiful hair certainly played a big role. Uh, my boy in the Red Sox, man, he got me. He got me.
1: Greek godlike. Yeah. like
4: me at the
0: i'm excited about this we have mikey who is the owner of lethal injection mikey mikey has been playing fantasy sports for a long long time and i have a lot of fond memories of watching uh, espn going going gone at mikey's (laughs) girlfriend's house where we would all hang out and uh that was a big thing we'd all gather around the television this was before smartphones this was before the internet really was the internet And we'd hang out and watch Going, Going, Gone. And it was some of the best fun I can ever remember of uh, watching fantasy baseball. And uh, it's probably why I always overvalue power if I really think back to it. It's because I wanted my guy to come up on Going, Going, Gone. And it was always freaking Mikey's guy or Jack's guy. So – that's that's really where it comes from. So, Mikey, thank you for being a part of this. I know the guys were really excited to have you be a part of this. And uh, Jack and I, what's when up, we were, Mikey?
2: What's
0: up? Let's talk a bit about you as a Braves fan. Now, you grew up in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and uh, obviously the Braves are far away. But uh, you know, when you were young, when we were kids, there the the Marlins and the Rays, or at that time the Devil Rays, didn't exist.
5: All I had was a good old TBS and Ted Turner to watch my Braves.
0: And and so that's what it is. So that is that's because um, the Cubs also, right. Weren't the Cubs on uh, down in Port St. Lucie or was it just the Braves? But the Braves,
5: the Braves, when Ted Turner owned TBS, he televised every single game. And I'm talking like back when Chris Chambliss and Glenn Hubbard and the old Braves, like the real, real old Braves. So that's why I, I've stuck with the Braves. I started watching sports in the early eighties and, the Braves were pretty good, and they were on TV, so I went with them.
0: So, so you have so some of your earliest memories of the Braves. Now, you couldn't go to the ballpark. You couldn't see them. So it was all television for you. So who was your – did you have a favorite player? Did you have a team that really kind of sticks out to you as you became aware of baseball? My
5: favorite player is Chipper Jones uh. on the Braves he's my favorite all-time brave and then I like to I like believe it or not I like Fred McGriff the
0: crime dog the crime doll. I love it so Chipper Jones yeah. so you basically you had an opportunity now did you were you hip to him when he came in as a rookie like so did you see his entire career from the very beginning all the way to the peak
5: I did but I didn't it wasn't like I predicted it but yeah I seen it I knew he was going to be good I knew we had a decent third baseman that could switch hit. but uh I didn't know it was going to turn out to be a a beast like he was, but I knew he was there. I knew he was good. I knew he had something.
0: That's exciting. You know, you think about the Braves, too, and you think about back in the early 80s and what they did in the 80s and 90s and just how awesome they were. Pitching. Pitching.
5: They had the big three. They had Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz.
0: And they rode them for a long time.
5: And that's why we won the division every single year was because those guys, the batting never, you know, the batting once a year, we'd have Terry Pendleton win the batting title, then he'd hit 270. I mean, the batting was always here and there, but the pitching was always solid, always solid.
0: Did you appreciate, did you appreciate
5: the pitching when you were younger? No, I didn't. I, I really didn't. I really didn't because, it, you know, I was more into the batting. I appreciated Greg Maddox. I never really appreciated Glavin as much as I should have. Maddox was my guy and then Smoltz was my guy once it became a closer. So it's always been pitching. And right now, in our farm leagues, right now, you'll see how much pitching we have in like three years, because it's coming.
0: Yeah, it seems like they're going through the same cycle they did
5: back in always.
0: the eighties and nineties.
5: And the crazy thing about it is now is now their new ballpark looks like it's a home run jack park. So that's going to be interesting to see what their philosophy is, whether they still try to go for pitchers or in this next draft, they start trying to go for some hitters because it's pretty obvious that the, uh, the new park is a home run haven.
0: Do you, are you a believer in Freddie Freeman? Do you think he's real? You think he's going to hit 40?
5: I think that now that we have that park, he's definitely going to be one of the top 10 players in our league before that park. I wasn't so sure of it, but they built that park to him. They built the 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 right center field walls, like four feet lower and like twenty five feet shorter. That's tailor made to him,
0: Mikey. I staked my recu- my reputation on the fact that I don't think Freddie Freeman would be a top thirty player in our fantasy league, and you just shit all over that.
5: I'm very sorry about that, but
0: uh,
5: <laughs> after after two and a half years, I'm a believer.
2: I'm with you, Mikey.
0: So yep. Freddie Freeman for real, and you know when you think about the ballparks in the NL East. You know, with the exception of the Mets, they're all pretty small. And so maybe you you just build a small ballpark and you build a pitching staff that is ground ball heavy uh, and strikeout heavy and try to keep away from the fly balls. It seems like that's what the Phillies are doing, right?
5: It's going to be interesting to see how the Braves go because their last few trades have been for all pitching. So it don't matter how small the park is if the other team can't touch the ball. (laughs) So,
0: I mean, clearly you're someone who loves baseball. And it. I, it's something that you and I connected on from the very day that uh, Boris brought me to your house, and we're hanging out in the porch and having a good time, <laughs> and, and you're an entertainer oh, yeah. at, at your core anyway, and you have that great laugh, and we're always talking about baseball, and you're giving me shit about being a Red Sox fan, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. You played fantasy baseball much younger than many of us played fantasy baseball. So normally, I, I like to find out, hey, has, has playing fantasy baseball changed the way that you... Uh, have become a, you know, change the way, change your relationship with the game of baseball, the actual Major League Baseball.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Before before fantasy baseball, I would not watch a Dodgers game. Didn't like the way Vin Scully did the announcing. Didn't like the Dodgers. But now they have Jock Peterson and Corey Seager, and they're worth watching. So, yeah, it's definitely changed the way I watch baseball, 100%. I pay attention to teams that I never would have paid attention to for the players and for the players that are coming up so I can get him before you guys do.
1: Mikey, i I got to jump in here and applaud you. I've never liked Vin Scully. He seems like a nice fellow and all, but he's he's boring. Very boring. And just by himself all the time, I really dislike that, and uh, I'm glad he's retired, and I hope he's happy.
5: I am too, and I can tell you that when I would watch the Dodgers games, I would turn the volume down and put some music on. (laughs) <laughs> I can't stand it. So, yeah, I, I understand that, definitely.
1: But I but I did love Skip Carey. Skip Carey I loved. I used to watch a lot of TBS Braves game back in the 80s when you couldn't even watch your home team on TV regularly. And, and you're right. Uh, Ted Turner put all those games on there. And Skip Carey had some of the funniest calls when the Braves sure. were awful. Just like this sure. woe-begotten... Well, fans, you know, uh we had another tough loss today, but who cares? We're at the ballpark, yeah. you know. It was it was Absolutely. all the really a, It's a beautiful day here ball.
5: and everybody just had a couple hot dogs and some beers and who cares that we lost 6 to 2 folks? It was a beautiful day.
1: Well, if you were in the stands, yeah. you didn't miss anything except for the Braves taking another grubbing. <laughs> but uh back to to the seventh, you know. Yeah, exactly. It was great. So, yeah,
5: I don't mind any other announcer, but Vin Scully, I just I just couldn't do it. Every other announcer I've ever heard never bothered me. He I just so yeah, so it's definitely changed the way I watch baseball. He's
1: a percent.
0: Oh come on now, Vince Scully is a master storyteller, and when you talk about tradition in baseball, Greg, that he is an institution or was an institution. Maybe he
5: should have quit 15 years ago.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So back to um, back to you know the relationship. So what you're saying is that you expanded who you paid attention to. So once you got into fantasy baseball. You really kind of broadened, and and you wanted to know who was doing well, who was hot, and obviously now, so when we take a look at Lethal Injection and and we broke down your team uh, earlier on uh, in the season, one of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that you've spent some time, Mikey, on really getting the prospects that are going to help you out. I mean, I look at uh, Alex Jackson right now. Look at Brinson in Milwaukee. Acuna in Atlanta is, you know, that guy, you know, could Great. be special, right? Uh, Luis yes, Robert, um, you know, an export from the island that uh, somebody else apparently wanted but couldn't get, you know, <laughs> Greg. And uh, and then I just look at your active roster, right? Look at Chris Bryant. Look at Anthony Rizzo. And, um, you know, these are guys that, you know, are going to be around for years, just years, Brilliant. right? Uh, power average on base uh anthony rizzo's interesting a former red sox prospect i knew of him but i didn't believe in him and then we went down to san diego didn't seem to really be able to put it all together but apparently Theo did believe so and and got him to the Cubs you you were a believer early on was there something that you saw something that you read did you watch a minor league game like how did you pick up on
5: that because it seems like you hit they changed his swing when he when he went to San Diego so once they changed his swing if you look from the time they changed his swing in the minors from the time his numbers went up so and he was just dominating the the AAA scene and you know some guys dominate AAA forever and never make the majors, and some guys hit, you know, like Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz dominated AAA for five or six years before anybody gave him a shot. Now look at him.
0: So how did you? So so basically, you somehow found out that he changed his swing. You watched his stats in AAA, and that's what that's what did it for you.
5: Yeah, I like to go back to the the AAA stats, and I like to, you know, obviously I know I'm, I don't really have much of a life, so. I watch a lot more Sports Center and TV, and read a lot more on the uh, baseball than the average Joe. So when I find a guy that I like, I seem I like to follow him and follow him along. Just because he's not successful in the first three or four years, I don't forget his name.
0: Yeah, you and you've always been somebody who we would look to. I know, even when we were in the phone room, you know, two plus decades ago, as who had really good information. It wasn't that easy to get the information back then. But you had you you would put your time in on ESPN. Peter Gammon. And Peter Gammon. Peter Gammon's
5: here. my boy, dude. Yeah. You, I, know, I, you, get I lucky, just, you get lucky once in a while. You guys remember when I drafted pool holes, we didn't even know how to say his name.
2: Right. Yeah. I was gonna say I, I just wanna jump in for some of the uh some of the newer guys in the league and um you know, back in the day before Tim started dominating and uh uh even before I started dominating there there was Mike. Uh Mike probably has more fantasy championships than the rest of us can find even today um, so yeah he, he, uh, he's always been one that dug a little deeper went a little further and uh, granted uh, with the uh, the information age it's uh, it's allowed us all to catch up a little bit thank God with uh, the <laughs> with mm-hmm. the internet and uh, and the other resources that we have now um, but yeah Mike uh, uh, you know the, these uh, these were his uh, his leagues for quite some time back in the uh, the 90s early 2000s
0: nice little run i wouldn't call it little
5: <laughs> we're all even now though it's all the same we're all this This league is nice and even there's not a you
2: know it's yeah, nice even and- even even other than the fact that at the moment mike has the best record and the most points and is currently tops in the power poll as well um thankfully he did suffer his first loss this past week um uh, but uh still uh still two games ahead of uh yeah, everybody else here
5: yeah I, I like I like I like my team I like the mixture of my team and uh I just made a trade the other day for uh for Matt Carpenter for Uenia Suarez because I needed a middle <laughs> infield and he needed a third baseman so I feel like that strengthened my team a lot believe it or not going from Zovers to Carpenter seems like a nice move for me
2: yeah those playing him appreciate that Greg by the way
1: <laughs> yeah the triple and uh, I think two walks and a couple RBIs already today well welcome
5: to lethal injection Matt Carpenter
1: <laughs> so when i think
0: about the team that you built uh you know over the last couple of years i think you've had some bad luck you've had some injuries hit you at the wrong time you had a couple of games everybody where, has that yeah yeah and you just rolled with it you kept i mean you have such an awesome uh just kind of outlook and approach and you just keep it steady you have a very good baseball mind you don't you don't get too high you don't get too low and you keep plugging yeah. along but what's been your strategy in building your team? I mean, your team, especially with Carpenter, I mean, I was bummed out when I saw that because that's you don't need more depth if I want to try to beat you. And, and when I saw yeah. Carpenter and where he can play, I mean, you can plug him in, and he's at least better than average in three of the four positions he's eligible for. So, you know, that was a tough thing for me to see. Great move on your part. Do you have an overarching yeah. strategy? Is this something that has
5: been a culmination of what you've been building for? Well, without giving too much away... Um, I kind of talked to Jack about
2: this. the other No, day, no, no, so. no. That there, you're you're on the podcast. This is a um, it's a trust tree. You, you can <laughs> here. Okay. Nobody, nobody nah. would ever, nobody would ever use that information passed around the <laughs> podcast to benefit themselves in any way, shape, or form. Trust me.
5: I would say this, Tim, because. Everybody in the league, you know, there's, no, there's, no, there's nobody in the league that doesn't pay attention in this league. Everybody's into, in it to win it. Everybody's, you know, either building net for now or building for the future. So what I've found is there's not a lot of Americans left that aren't taken. So the last two to three years, I've been concentrating on the international market. And I've been paying my international scouts good money to find me some good international prospects. And I believe that in the next three to five years, we're going to see a wave of international prospects like we've never ever seen in baseball before. And I believe that once that happens, it won't stop.
0: So basically, what you're saying is that, a, I agree with you. I this league was built for people who are actively involved in the league, and if they're if they're not trying to win hard this year that they're building for the following years and they're still going to put the best team out there every week weekend week out absolutely so i agree with you and that's something that i you know playing in other fantasy leagues i realize that there's a group of guys or folks who just kind of fade away and it really takes away from from the league i think and absolutely. in this league man last last season i think there were eight teams that were still in the running with two weeks to go is that right jack does that sound right to you that does. Sound, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. And so you're not going to get, you're not going to get a week off. We, we're looking at this now and saying, you know, I think maybe, maybe bad street is at the point where they really are having to do a, a, an overhaul, like a complete overhaul. They just can't generate the points. And um I actually think that, uh, you know, Mike is doing that, but you know, the reality is, is that, you know, the other nine teams, any given week, you could run into a buzzsaw. Absolutely. Now, but one of the things that Joe picked up on was your scoring is pretty consistent. Do you particularly look for players? Are there certain things that you look for in a player that that uh, that they have? Every player has their highs and their lows, but it seems like, you know, your team this year has been a steady producer of points where some of our teams are just, you know, a lot of points and a little points, and a lot of points, and little points, and that's a tough one to win this league in.
5: Well, Tim, one of the things that I've always done and, and- – on-base percentage, you know, a walk is just as good as a hit, man. So if you got somebody who's hitting 270 as an on-base percentage of 400 compared to somebody who's hitting 300 with an on-base percentage of 320. All those extra walks are points. And if you have somebody who steals bases when they get on base for those walks, Jack, you'll know what I'm talking about. My dad, up until a couple of years ago, has always had a team that on one week could score 60 and the next week could score 35. Right. You know what I'm saying? He has guys. Like Mark Reynolds before this week was a perfect example of one of those guys. He could have an eight and then the next week have a 1.5. I don't ever get guys like that on my team. I would much rather take a solid four or five than get an eight and then a two. It just, that's just the way I've always built. It doesn't always work. But if you're talking about consistency, that's why I'm always consistent because I don't go for the, the guys who are eights and then twos. I go for the solid fives.
0: That makes perfect sense. And I'm going to change my strategy to get international guys that score four to six points a week. I mean, that's just pretty, pretty simple, man. That's just, you do what the winners do. And right now, uh, Mikey, uh, it's looking really good. I, you know, super impressed with, you know, who you are as a person. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've known you and just been happy to be your friend for a long, long time. And I'm, I'm really oh, yeah. happy that we, we still have this, this connection
5: You know, there's one thing I wanted to bring up that's kind of interesting. I don't want to take too long, but it's an interesting point. Back in the day when we used to play fantasy baseball, we didn't go by games played. We went by an average score for the week. So if you had guys that only played three days, as long as they got a good score in one of those three days, they would average that score. So in other words, like now, if you have a guy who plays three out of six days, he only gets three scores. Back in the day, he got an average score. So if he got three eights and only played three days, he used to get an eight. You remember you that? Got us. So that changed. Once we changed the rules to that, everybody had to take like a year or two, even three years to change their teams to get to where they want because guys that weren't playing every single day were no longer valuable. And then if you remember, we used to, the reason we changed that was because once in a while, a guy would pinch hit. And then we had to decide whether that was going to count as a game or not. Remember? And then if he got hit by a pitch, then he didn't have a chance to get any points. Do you remember that? I do.
4: Yeah, remember absolutely. what I'm talking about?
5: And that's why we changed the rules. So the landscape of fantasy baseball has changed completely in just our league by that alone.
2: Yeah, we've talked about um, a few times just how how uh, this league just has a life of its own, and we've been able to kind of alter it and and move with different scenarios, different situations, and it's one of the cool things about this league from the start.
0: So, uh, Mikey, I've peppered you with questions for you know a good twenty five minutes now. Let's turn this around. What what questions do you have for the other owners in this league? What secrets do you want to pull from uh, from Greg or from Joe or from Jack? And uh, all the,
2: all the, all the guys you're beating right now. (laughs)
4: Right. right.
5: (laughs) First of all, I'd just like to say to Joe, um, congratulations on your last trade. I think it was a wonderful trade for you and you filled holes on your team. I think that your team is scary as hell now.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
5: Yes, sir. When you're looking for a player, like a prospect, do you go to single A and double A or do you just wait till they get to triple A? And the reason I'm asking that is because if you look at the last seven or eight great players to come into the major league baseball. They skipped
2: triple A. skipped it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, No, I, I, I will tell you that my edge for a long time was the prospect game that I spent a lot of time understanding, prospecting, understanding what that meant, uh, calling cultivating sources, not cultivating sources, identifying sources. I didn't fricking befriend someone who's a (laughs) fricking scout, but I, 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 I spent years literally, saying this is my edge nobody's going here i'm going to take my medicine for years and it 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 paid it paid off in a big way for me because i was able to compete with a with a, t- a younger team that uh was able to surprise on the upside to use scotty's uh, uh you know words from last uh, couple episodes ago or last episode. last
4: episode
0: yeah last episode thank you jack so for me prospecting was big and Um, it's really difficult to look at someone who's in low A and try to project out. So Ronald Lacuna is someone that I was following in low A. And what's happened now is I used to be able to see these guys, Mikey, in low A, high A, even into double A. But what I started to notice was that in this league, because people are competing so hard and because it's a dynasty league without any limits, so finding that great player... Who's young and you get him on your team and you stick with him? If he's a superstar, you have him until he retires if you want. And so for me, that was a thing. Now I'm feeling a lot of heat. Um, I too tried to go to the international side. And what I that's when I started to really pay attention to what you were doing because I started to see that you had guys on your team that weren't showing up when I searched, but I had to go and look at the teams individually, and we were stinking we were putting in names. Uh, right. For you on your team, you probably have the highest number of guys that we actually had to create their player profiles on CBS Sports. And that's when I, I think started of, to realize. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so, I think in
5: both leagues, I have the most international prospects, I believe.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I started
5: doing that about three years ago. I started looking international.
0: But my question is, how do you discount? How do you look at that those players' stats and say, you know what? This player is someone that I'm going to use 10% of my minor league spots. How, how do you discount for the league that they're in and say, I'll tell
5: you what, I'll tell you one thing that's helped a lot, Tim. Yeah. And that's the world baseball classic, because during the world baseball classic, not only do they have the international players, but they talk about the guys who are going to be on the team next year or the next four years. And those are the guys that you want to find. I'll just leave it at that.
0: So twenty-three years ago, right, I watched your your fucking method was to watch TV more than anyone else. What you're telling me right now is, motherfuckers, I'm still gonna watch more TV than you, and I'm gonna get now
5: it's just on the <laughs> international stage. My TV time is undeniable, baby. Forty five <laughs> years old and no kids. I ha- I mean, I do. A, I have more TV time. Like so and that definitely that definitely helps, but Watching the World Baseball Classic, and I really enjoy the World Baseball Classic. Like, I really, really do enjoy it. I like the way they're allowed to show enthusiasm and everything like that. But aside from that, if you listen to the announcers and they're talking about the, uh, you know, the Korean center fielder, they'll talk about the guy who's going to be there next time the World Baseball Classic comes around. The guy who's 20, who's fucking stealing 80 bases a year and is hitting 370 in the, you know, and that's the one that you want to find because the guys that are in the world baseball classic are already on people's team.
0: So basically what I need to do is actually start paying miles to watch baseball games, the the international baseball games and just get in for So essentially I'm having to now build a scouting staff just to compete with your friggin' team.
5: I mean, there's we, only so you... many spots, there's only so many roster spots left, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's where a lot of my international uh, interest has come from. and, you know, there's some really good international players that are not on my team. Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is coming up soon, guys. Uh,
1: uh, he's, on he's on my team. Man. He's on my team.
5: He's a badass dude. He's gonna be a badass. I, I look at things when every time there's something new on the internet, I read it about him, and he's becoming more and more like his father every single day, and that doesn't suck.
1: He's raking in single A right now.
5: Raking. He's not gonna. He's gonna be one of those guys that goes single A, double A. Bro, he's not going to make triple A. That's my opinion, though. But there's a lot of guys that are on, you know, the league. There's The league has everybody, and I only have so many of them, so everybody has them. It's just that I just seem to have a few more of them.
3: Do you watch but, you know, the Futures game the same way, or are those guys already gone by the time that's on?
5: The Futures game is a huge deal. The Futures game is a huge deal because they have the USA team, and they have a team called the World Team. You know, the catcher for the world team is a guy named or Alfaro, who catches for the Phillies. And if you watch the World Baseball Classic, that dude's big. And he was hitting home runs like Jose Abreu, and he's coming up soon. So people like that, yeah, definitely the World Baseball Classic. And then, you know, when it comes time for the baseball draft, now a lot of the draft is international players now. So... Between the World Baseball Classic and the baseball draft is where I, in the last three years, I mean, I took, I got Chris Bryant on the baseball draft. Everybody had a chance to get him. He was there the day before the baseball draft is when I drafted Chris Bryant. guys. So it's a lot of luck, but when you hit, you hit.
2: Yeah. This league has just gotten so deep. And and like I said, everybody pays so much attention that it's just, it's changed, like you said, Tim, to, to know who was hot in, in AAA used to be a big deal. Um, that's not even a, a second thought at this point. I, I don't even bother for the most part. I mean, uh, the time I pay attention to prospects, like Mike says, before the draft, the actual MLB draft, before the draft, and, uh, and before the Futures game, when the lineups come out and so on and so forth, before you hear yep. about the guy that hit the two home runs, that's your shot. Uh, and now it's everyone's shot. Um, and, uh, as far as our draft goes by that time this year, I, I took two major league players and a high school kid. I, I just skipped the minors. I, I knew they were, they were all there. Everybody had them. The guys that I didn't have a, a high pick. Um, so I, uh, I took a shot with a high school kid and, and I'll usually reserve one to two spots in my minors, uh, for guys that, that, you know, I think I got a, uh, well, I think he's 18 now I've had him for a couple of years. Um, but uh, I'll keep some teenagers down there and 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 hope uh, because at this point you you almost have a better shot there uh, than you do you know working out of the uh, the seventy uh, to to one fifty rankings of prospects, which is almost where we're at at this point.
5: I got an interesting fact for you. I've never drafted anyone out of high school. Really? Ever? Ever? I would much rather take a chance on somebody who's had success in college or success in low A or double A before I take a chance on someone who's coming from high school.
2: It's a long just road.
5: I've always done it. I've just, I've never drafted a high school kid. It's kind of funny. Chris Pedigno drafts all high school kids.
2: He's got and who team. knows
5: in three or four years. I mean, I'm starting to hear some of those names that he drafted a couple of years ago out of that high school book. I'm starting to hear well, some of those names, those Kyle it, Skipworth and stuff like that. Yes, so
2: was it was it one of them? Bryce Harper.
5: Yeah. yeah, like I said, I, it doesn't make it right, but I've never drafted a high school kid, ever.
2: It's very, uh-huh. yeah, no, it's very, there's, for every Bryce Harper, there's who knows how many thousands of, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that don't make it. I, I've started actually having Dante jot down names at school, um, at his high school, so... <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yo, is that dude fast? Give me his name.
0: So, Mikey, speaking of high school, um, uh, Rick Ankiel, big player out of Port St. Lucie. Did you yeah. play uh, at the same time that he did?
5: No, he was a little bit after me. I'm 45.
0: Okay, so, so he was, was a
5: little bit. He was a little bit. He was a little bit after me. Probably between about eight to ten years after me. Did you ever get a chance to see him play? Um, I heard of him. I knew of him. Um, unfortunately for him, what he was known for in Port St. Lucie was his father was. Uh, busted for a huge shipment of drugs yep and that's that's what he was known for important so his dad was a drug kingpin and yeah. uh got busted but uh, as far as baseball goes i never played with him and uh you know i knew of him he was pretty popular probably the you know charles johnson the catcher that used to be on the marlins he came out of this the high school the same high school as i went to he's more of a of a person that i could relate to he was more of my time and remember charles johnson
0: oh uh, yeah we talked about charles yeah. johnson actually in in jack's uh weird attraction yeah. to charles johnson yeah um, he came
5: from four Pierce, which was with the, where i went to high school at so yeah. i was during his time rick angle was a little bit later
0: did, did so uh, um so one of the things that that it, and greg and joe don't know this but jack and i played softball with you and you're a hell of a <laughs> baseball player and yeah. have a beautiful swing. Yeah. And um, you know,
5: defense too, man. Don't rip my defense, son.
2: <laughs> Third base.
5: Yeah,
0: right. Third, Third base. base.
5: Defense.
0: Uh stop. Yeah, we needed I guess the point was our team was our team needed the offense, and that's what I really focused on. Let's just be honest. You know, where I was more okay. of a Mark Grace type of uh first baseman where I'd poke it over the shortstop. You had some legitimate power and you could put it over the fence anytime you wanted. That swing was beautiful. Was it not, Jack?
2: Absolutely. Yep, I, I got to see it. Most of the time I saw it from the dugout after I uh, um, I didn't get on base very often.
0: <laughs> that, that is a true story. Now, so we said Nolan Arenado uh, is your baseball doppelganger. However, and I know you took that as a compliment, and, and we'll keep that. We'll roll with that.
5: But, Mostly because he's a great defensive player, but yes, I'll
0: but, take it. But uh, I came across, and I verified with Jack, there's a pitcher for the Houston Astros. This guy's name is Charlie Morton, and this motherfucker <laughs> looks
1: exactly like you. I'm, I I know who
0: Charlie Morton is. D- Former Pirate. Y-
1: yeah. Uh, I can see it. For sure, I watched Charlie it? Morton get knocked around on many an occasion. Well, so. he's a lot better looking than fucking
0: <laughs> Kevin Schiraldi, who is my goddamn baseball doppelganger.
1: Hey guys, John Crock. So, you know, no no <laughs> complaints. <Dude. laughs>
0: John Crock.
4: That's, That's it, dude.
0: Right. Good one. But Good a one. but like a that. badass baseball player. Let's just let's just get that just straight up, right?
5: Oh, <laughs> I see it. <laughs> got my little beard thing going
3: dog
0: right it certainly
2: does
3: i'm not sure which one's you <laughs> i'll take think,
4: think
0: his salary too Dude, that, I, I looked at that and i said oh my gosh like maybe mikey plays baseball we don't know i have no idea like that i could i was shocked i was like wow that looks
4: i'd be a, I'd be a third
0: baseman not a pitcher tim thanks that's,
4: yeah, that's but, right
5: that's right but
0: third baseman good. there's a lot of kids that play third base that end up converting to pitcher because you got to have an arm that's true you got to have an arm
1: Charlie Morton should be in prison for stealing with that contract you got from the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> like two years, $11 million. And he's never been good. He's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mikey. It's, it's this not John is- Singleton
3: stealing, though.
4: Mm.
0: Well, Mikey, this has been a lot of fun. And we really sure. appreciate you calling in to the Atlas Bock podcast and uh, certainly the invitation is open. Any other time you want to come in? It was fascinating listening to you talk about your team strategy and how you construct the team. And certainly, when I'm looking at the scores, and this year it really seems like it's paying off. And you are definitely a team that
4: we're watching. Uh, I'm coming. I'm coming.
0: Greg, how about the Pirates? Any chance they make some noise in the NL Central?
1: No, I think there's no chance that they make any noise in the division. And I think that uh, while they may have been on the precipice of uh, calling it a year, I think the last few days have all but sealed that decision to the point where, you know, and I'm often critical of um, ownership of the Pirates, the Nuttings, um, but. I, now I kind of agree with him that I, I would just kind of use this as a, a do-over year. I mean, in the last week, so uh, our, our arguably our best starter this year, Jameson Tyon, today had surgery. Uh, he started having uh, groin discomfort over the weekend, so they took him for uh, an examination, and the kid has what they believe to be testicular cancer, and oh, they operated God. on him today. So oh, that, our our fourth starter, Chad Cole. Cool took not one but two uh, hits off the kneecap yes uh, last week in a start and they had to yank him out of the game. Um, You know they're clearly avoiding bringing up their most important prospects. You know Austin Meadows. Any of my Pittsburgh friends who think that he has a chance of seeing the majors this year, maybe outside of September, is crazy. Um, And I don't think they'll bring up any of their other solid pitchers.
0: Do you think Meadows will come up after June one? where then it basically... No, absolutely not. you don't. No chance.
1: Zero chance. Because they're going to be terrible this year. I mean, Polanco is their cleanup hitter, and Polanco hasn't hit a home run in the last 250 or so at-bats, dating back to last year. He has six RBIs. He's our cleanup hitter. Today, they called up uh, Chris Bostic, who we picked up in, the, in a trade with uh, the Nationals, and we picked up, uh, we called up Max Moroff, who was our player of the year a couple of years ago. But he's a, he's a you know, a middling prospect at best. And we have him and Gift Nagope, which is a, he's a great story and a cool dude and a good fielder. Um, but they're just, they're bringing up their, you know, prospects 30 to 60 to fill their major league roster because they're just, you know, they're going to wait. They're going to wait till next year and play it safe. John Jaso is leading off and playing right field on a regular basis.
0: So how do you balance that? So if you're the GM, right, you know, the city of Pittsburgh and the people of Pittsburgh love their sports teams. But, you know, isn't there a point where people are just going to say, screw it, I'm not going to?
1: No, not as long as the Zimbelli Fireworks doesn't run out of fireworks and we can have all the fireworks nights that are heart content. And as long as Sticks and Uriah Heap keep touring and are willing to play after games... <laughs> And as long as they still invite, uh, you know, pets to the park, and they have all-you-can-eat uh, hot dogs, you know, then no, there's no need to worry about the fan base because, you know, the greatest pirate team is going to draw 2.8 million. The worst pirate team is going to draw 2.4 million dollars, and they'll just raise the price of pierogies to make up the difference. Sounds
0: like you think McCutch is gone, right? They're just going to get what they can for McCutch.
1: Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I'd at this point now. I've resigned myself to to the situation. I'd like him to be gone, but I'd sure as hell like him to start hitting so we can get something decent for him. You know, I think at this point we're just going to be willing to unload his salary and get some, you know, middling prospect, and we'll just call it a win because we get relieved of half his year's final, you know, uh, fourteen million dollar salary or whatever it is. They're going to call that a win, Uh, you know, but they're not going to bring up Austin Meadows. They're not going to bring up Mitch Keller. They're not going to bring up Kevin Newman. They're not going to bring up any of their decent prospects or Brian Hayes. I mean, guys, for those you've been trading him around the league, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, the pirates are responsible for that kid's development. And so uh, that doesn't bode well for whoever has them. Unfortunately, I know I sound super cynical, but I know what I speak. Unfortunately.
0: Okay. Well that, that, that does sound super cynical. And
1: here's how cynical it is. Let me, I'll say one last thing on the pirates and, Tyler Glasnow, their number one prospect who really uh, shit the bed his first few starts uh, this year. You know, I'm not in the mind of nutting in in the little field or or GM, but I I bet that they were uh, wildly disappointed that he had two good starts recently. I, I, I have this sick feeling that they would have been happier if they'd been given a justification to ship him back down to AAA to work on his command and to stop the clock on his free agency. But, you know, to, to their probably dismay, he actually had two good starts recently, and so now they, they can't justify it, um, you know, and, and fool the ignorant masses that they're actually still trying.
0: It's a tough, it's a tough, I mean, if you're managing a small market team, the way baseball is set up, it is tough. The the calculus that you have to work through to, to manage a team and to manage the pop the the fan base, and especially a fan base that is you know as committed as it is to the Pirates. I mean, that's got to be tough.
1: Yeah, I can't. You know, I'd imagine, I imagine. I guess I just would wish for a little bit more deliberation in their actions. You know, either say, hey, listen, guys, let let's be realistic. Uh, let let's we're going to put a fun team out there. We're going to compete, but um, <laughs> hey, we're, you know, but but call it what it is, you know? But no, that's not what they're going to do. They're like, you know what? We're going to run out yeah. F- Giff Nagope and Phil Gosselin at third and uh, Alan Hansen at short, and
0: uh, we're going to do just fine. So, uh, Yankees, are they for real? I mean, 21-9, and nine, their pitching's been lights out. Their offense is awesome. Is this the Yankees coming of age more quickly than we thought they were going to?
5: I think that their starting pitching is going to – Come the middle of the season, and what they're doing right now is they're making it a six-seven inning game. You're not winning coming the sixth seventh inning, and you got to go to Batances and then Chapman. Aside from the other night with the Cubs, game's over. So they've basically done what Kansas City did when they won the World Series a couple years ago, and turned it into a seven inning game.
0: So do you think that the, it's the starting pitching that will? Uh, break down that the second time around the 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 league that the the people are going to figure out this starting pitching.
5: Severino is young; he's an upcoming pitcher. I believe in him. I think he's got 97 98 mile an hour fastball. I think Sabathia is going to start getting hit soon mm-hmm. if he doesn't go on the DL. He's old; mm-hmm. he doesn't throw hard. Um, Jordan Montgomery's another one who's not going to have a three-point-six ERA at the end of the season. And uh, Tanaka is, you know, they have Tanaka and Severino as their starters. And after that, I don't think that they have enough to to stay strong. I can say this, though. They are doing all this without Gary Sanchez. They're yeah. doing all this batting without Gary Sanchez has been hurt for the last three weeks. So if yeah. he comes starts on his thirty five, forty homer pace, the Yankees could be serious. Judge
4: yeah, but I, I, where I think- he
1: let off. I think they're weaker. They're weak in the field, too, though. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, Brett Gardner, you know, he, he's OK. Uh, they're they're, uh, you know, Chase Headley. Are they really going to depend upon him for a full year's production? I think Austin exactly. Romine started at first base for them tonight. Um, you know, that's not a line. That's not murderers row exactly either. You know,
3: now and the pitchers are going to adjust so. at that level. And then, the, then it's going to be up to those young hitters to adjust to the pitching. Is
2: Judge going to keep this run up? I, you know right. that guy is. There's nobody hitting as well as he is right now. How could
1: he? Is that possible? I, yeah, no. Like I said,
2: I
3: think the pitchers are going but to if, adjust to him, and but if, it's, then it's going to be up to him to make adjustments back.
5: He's another one of those guys that changed his swing in the offseason, and and it's been paying off since spring training. So
1: somebody's going to find a hole in it. His swing's so, too big. You know, I think he's. I think he's going to be the uh, Brendan Bosch. You know, he's going to have a great April. But then he'll lose himself in that big looping swing and he'll regress back to his triple A, double A numbers.
5: I just think that being able to play in that park eighty one games, you're uh, that's that's thirty home runs right there.
0: Yeah, that's uh you know, I I, I treated Judge a park. like a bitch. I really did. And I, I'm I'm regretting it right now. I, I think that the, the league does adjust. This is a brutal league. And I think it truly you look at players like a Bryce Harper or somebody of that stature, right? Just a superstar that they're able to make those adjustments, uh, adjustments, and and make them well. Um, but it's been it's fascinating, and just watching prospects fail in the minor leagues and then overcome that really, really is impressive. So I do think Judge is is knocking it right now, but the, he's he literally has the largest strike zone of any player in the major league base in major league baseball. And, you know, if I looked at Judge and I look at uh, Giancarlo Stanton, I would say that Giancarlo Stanton's probably a better hitter. And Giancarlo Stanton is, you know, right now hitting just above uh, 250, which is all right with the power he's got. And I think that's where Judge settles in.
5: Hold on, one more thing. He was hitting seventh up until about four games ago. Now he's hitting third. When the the pitchers get it start in the game, he knows when he gets to that three, four, five, that's where the juice is. Now that he's hitting in the three-hole – Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows that he's expected to do it. And now I think is when he's going to start, his numbers are going to start slipping. And I, I don't think he's a hitter, three hole yep. hitter. He'll be in the five
2: solid five, or the six. six. Yep. I, I agree with you. So I, uh, yeah. Um,
0: uh, excellent. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think it's the right way to look at it. And frankly, as a Red Sox fan, um, I hope <laughs> to hell you're right. Amen, brother. <laughs> So, Jack, if we take a look at the oh. NL East, right? Um, Washington, do they see any competition? Uh, absolutely
2: not. Absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. Yeah, there you are. Uh, we're currently five and a half games up, I believe. Um, now, granted, uh, I think we talked about them last week. And, and for a moment there, my Phillies were uh, as close to them as any other team in that division. Right. Um, the Met the Mets are, are making the run so the Mets are the only team that, that they really need to pay attention to at this point I think um so so keep an eye on that but no I think the the nationals run away uh, from this uh from this division I don't think it's going to be close um in fact uh, I think we talked about that in, in some of the um, some of the things it could do to fantasy, some of these guys taking some extra days off later on in the year. I think they're, it's going to be that kind of team. I think they're going to destroy this division. I think it's going to be over by the break. And, um, you know, you 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 got one of the, if not the uh, child of baseball in Harper, um, Trey Turner. Uh, again, not quite the pace of last year, but that was a little ridiculous. Uh, but that guy's settling in. Um, the pitching they got—you know, uh, Rendon's on a little run now. That guy could easily—I mean, was once one of the, the, uh, the top prospects, top expects, So, uh, I, I think this. Ryan is the, Zimmerman, you know, yes. Oh yeah, not to mention that guy. Don't forget about
0: him. It's <laughs> okay. There's an lead, injury coming for Ryan. I'm yes. not worried about yeah. that. There's a hamstring, <laughs> that I, that a forearm. I yeah, that
2: I don't necessarily whatever. expect to. Uh, to Another guy up. that changed his
5: swing in the off season.
2: That's interesting. I would That I wouldn't bet on, but um, I, I do expect him to run away with it. And, um, I, you know, I, I think I picked him last year uh, out of the National League, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if that happens again this year.
1: I, I fully suspect that uh, Terry Collins will be on the unemployment line before the All-Star break. You know, he, he's focused on doing uh, afternoon bed checks on his starting pitching staff rather than, you know, uh, strategizing for the game. Did you guys see that story about Matt Harvey over the weekend and then the yeah. follow up shenanigans today? So he went golfing, then he had a headache, you know, which uh, I can only imagine how infuriated I would be if one of my employees said, You know, Craig, I'm sorry, I, I got such a headache golfing this morning, I'm not going to be able to come into work. So that aside, Terry Collins is god that guy has alligator blood if anybody does sending two Mets organizational staffers to Matt Harvey's house to knock on Matt Harvey's door and the story is that Matt Harvey answered the door today in his pajamas because uh, Terry Collins was concerned that he wasn't really sick or he wasn't at home isn't that I find that incredible there there's no way that Terry Collins makes it throughout this year no way and and he's a former uh pirates organization minor league manager i like the guy we i respect the guy but he is just not cut out for the new york market when he's sending people to you know check on matt harvey in his pajamas
0: (laughs) that's an interesting thing greg so let's think about the juiceless league for a second right and let's pretend let's just pretend that we are the gms for other owners but if you were to look at the juiceless league right now who would be on the hot seat? Bad Street, <laughs> Bad Street. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would definitely think that uh, Pop's team would
1: be on the hot seat for
4: sure.
5: And Greg, you know that's my dad, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually I've met your dad. I've had lunch with him okay. a couple of times when I lived on the East Coast. Yeah. Okay. No, I think I, I'd be on the hot seat. You know, uh, if, if my trades are viewed through the prism of the now, you know, uh, I'm, I'm making trades for two to three years from now. Now you know, I'm rebuilding my team. And so, you know, I, I think it's probably, um, common, commonly held perception that I, I got the worst of these last two or three trades, but you know, it's all part of a, a grander scheme. You know, so I think it, in the real world, I would be in a hot seat for because we're in a win now society, you know, nobody wants to hear about a five-year plan. So, uh, right. I, I think I'd, firmly place myself on the hot seat well
0: would greg wouldn't everybody in the griffey division be in the hot seat right yeah, now pretty, yeah
2: right pretty i was gonna say uh, just just the people yeah. that are on this podcast except mike um i yeah i think uh as a matter of fact um i think i was the only one that uh that didn't get at least a vote for uh expected champion uh, in the in one of the uh, the early podcasts. So uh, at, with all of us sitting at two and three. but yes, if uh, if there were owners watching over um, yeah, Greg's movement since two people picking him to win the uh, the championship, the fact that he's still in it. Uh, even though nobody's doing well, he's not scoring points, and then just starting to toss players left and right. I could see that being a little bit of a uh, a shock to an uh, to an owner's system.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and in your guys' defenses, I think that um, you know Tim's lack of scoring in a couple of weeks that's mystifying to all of us. You know, based upon his roster. With so that output, yeah, yeah, I don't see that an owner would necessarily say, Tim, you you've assembled, uh, you know. Uh, bad players, because when I looked at Tim's roster going into the year, I was like, you know, there's four or five guys who are legitimate MVP, like real Major League Baseball MVP candidates. And so, no, I don't think anyone could fault Tim, you know. um, Oh, thank God.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm
1: just talking about in terms of, like, our our hypothetical firing situations.
0: Mikey, I've got to think that St. Locash, that Chris's team, does at least get some of your attention.
5: I don't think that Chris realizes how good Michael Conforto's doing the last two yeah, weeks because he's got him on his on
4: fire. Bench. He's yep. hitting
5: leadoff for the Mets, killing it, and he's starting Polanco over him this week. I don't understand that. Maybe he doesn't know he has him because he's all the way down at the bottom of
2: his minors bench.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he knows. But yeah, he is that Conforto's on fire right now. Right. You know, Ramirez is another big part of Chris's. Again, that guy's just like I said, he's one of the most underrated guys in fantasy Baseball outfield. not especially considering try eligibility, um, middle infield, third base, and outfield. That guy is um he's somebody I'd like to have a my mars- spot plus Yeah, exactly.
5: But I think Chris's outfield's a little weak.
2: Right. We keep talking about Jay Bruce and how the hell he's still in our league as he continues to outperform the majority of our outfields.
5: He's one of those guys like we were talking about before though. He's an eight and then a two. He's yep, not a he consistent.
2: Spoke, Yep we've talked about him specifically in that uh, the the pat burrell uh, uh <laughs> format one of the,
5: he's one of he's one of those guys he'll win you a week and he'll lose you a week he's not consistent
2: yep yep yeah i like to get i like to bunch those guys up wait for them to hit three or four home runs put a nice bow on them and ship them off to your dad usually
5: chris's yeah. minors team is nasty though dude
2: yeah, he yeah he has he, he's got a Edos, lot of guys that have yep that have potential for Boncada,
5: sure. Alfaro, yep. he got a good team.
2: Yep, yeah he should. But doesn't um, it
5: seem like it, that's always the way Chris's team is? Doesn't he always seem to have a good minors team? Isn't there ever going to be a year where they turn into yeah, something? Yeah,
2: yeah he he has missed on a few guys, but he's hit on a few guys too. I you know I I talk about Chris and in, in that he um he does just enough movement each year uh to to keep himself in it to to not go into full rebuild and if he ever did he'd probably destroy all of us a couple years later because his minor league system is is pretty damn good and has been uh while they're minors like i said some of them take a little longer than others um but uh but yeah, he, he uh Chris is gonna have a solid ass team in a couple of years, there's no doubt about it. He had it.
5: good value with his staff pick right before the draft, because I was jockeying for it, you were jockeying right. for it, and he right. didn't want to give it up.
2: No, and he know? holds off and then he ends up stumbling into a fucking Ryan Zimmerman every right. year. And, and but, um,
5: didn't you pick eight? Didn't uh, you pick Lats this year in our draft and get the Dodgers?
2: Not eight. It was um I did pick eight. Yeah, I'm sorry, I did pick eight. Eight. It wasn't yeah, there's ten of us. So, but I picked right. eighth and got the Dodgers. Yes.
5: Right. So he could have swapped with you, got a player at eight, and still got the
2: Dodgers. And still, yeah, knowing the Dodgers were going to drop to eight, shit, that would have been a hell of a deal for sure. It's well, just- I
5: had twelve. I had twelve staff, twelve staffs that I would have been happy to roll with. So if I was going to trade, as long as I knew I was going to get one of those staffs, but I was going to good, good, good player. I mean, look at the players that have been traded for staffs in the last couple years, man. I mean. You wait till that last minute, and you can get good value for your player and your staff pick. There was one year I gave up Alfonso Soriano for a staff pick back in the day. You remember that, Jack? (laughs) I (laughs) do. Like before he hit 40 home runs?
2: I do, I do. Who'd you pick with that staff pick? Do you remember? I don't. (laughs) Of course you don't. No,
4: I don't. But we remember those years. It wasn't worth it, though. Right, exactly.
2: That's my point. I
5: got an interesting topic. Who thinks the Rockies are for real?
2: Me. And you know Why?
0: pitching bullpen. Their, their pitching is freaking their pitching is really good and i you know it's interesting because we talk a lot about the managers really being life coaches and um it, his name is escaping me right now who is managing the the rockies now is anybody off the top of your head do you know Who's managing the? But it's Rocky not Walt right
1: Weiss there. anymore, is it? He got canned, didn't
0: he? He got canned. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the coach of the Rockies, and really talking about the fact that you know your mindset when you're pitching in Colorado is that we have a better offense than they do, and that you just don't change the way you pitch. And so when you look at the Rockies when they're pitching away from Colorado, their pitching stats are. Awesome. Like they absolutely. are absolutely yeah, they're really good pitching staff. And Mikey, you're right. Their bullpen is solid. If you get the pitching right in Colorado, with the offense that Colorado has, with Blackman, right? With right. you know Cargo, and then you've got Arenado, and you've got Right, we got
2: Desmond coming back. You got mm-hmm. um uh David Dahl. Dahl, right, right, in the uh in the uh wings. So I you know, talking about the offense. Tom is, Murphy. Is gonna, Oh, yeah. Murphy. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's another one. So they they that could be nasty.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, what Bud Black is doing there is really kind of making sure that the mentality is in the right place for Colorado. And I think that's what that that is really what is needed, because we know that just the physics of it, that that curveball doesn't curve as much as it does on sea level right? So we know what the offensive players can do with that. But, you know, from a defensive perspective, you are going to win some games eight to seven. And that if you're okay with that, and you have that set up in your mind, and in my opinion, this is where, you know, we we talked about Clint Hurdle being a life coach, right? You think about this mindset, and how this mindset could work for us, right? Just, just, you know, uh, in our everyday lives, and understanding what the present situation is, being honest with ourselves about where we're at, and and really making peace with that, and and to me, I that's why I think they're for real. Now, having said that, I still think the pitching in LA is great, um, you know, and I think that um, LA has an offensive team that they it seems like they just reload. And Kershaw is, I think, having a special season. Uh, they've got a good bullpen, they've got a good closer, so I think that's going to be very interesting. I think the Giants are out of it. I think they're they're done. I think they're done. I do too. I think the, I agree. that the um, Diamondbacks are more of a mirage this year than not. I don't think the pitching is there. I think the offense is kind of up and down. I could be wrong. You know.
5: I think the Diamondbacks don't have a bullpen. Their bullpen is what gives it up. They're they're starting pitching with Robbie Ray and Granke. I mean, they're actually Corbin, they're not bad, but they have no bullpen
0: yeah uh, well in this game in today's game right i think that makes a difference yeah. so you know um san diego i mean
2: goddamn
5: <laughs> they you know. they've been rebuilding for 15 years
2: for 15 years it's they've sad, gone through four u- four uniform changes during this particular rebuild
0: yeah so you know i i you know to me i think that um you know that's that's an, a really i mean they're 20 and 12 Colorado is 20 and 12. Now, Jack, you brought up a good point. You said, look, if this was happening in August, would we be paying attention? Would that, would that matter? But, you know, I, I, you know, I, 20 and 12 is a great way to start the year.
5: And, you know, ch- they changed their philosophy. Like, back in the day, they would draft a pitcher like Daryl Kyle, which you just said, the breaking ball is a break. Now they draft pitchers that strike out people because it doesn't matter if you're playing Colorado. If you don't hit the ball, it's not going to go out of the park. Right, so that's why John Gray and people like that, the pitchers that they're coming and bringing in now, the the Santazellas and people like that, they're strikeout pitchers. Right, they're not going to get contact pitchers in Colorado no more because they found out that doesn't work.
2: That's interesting. I, I do, I do think we may have seen the best of Trevor's Story. I, I, I think folks should start getting ready to see uh, Brandon Rogers here soon. I, I, I I'm, uh, stories starting to scare me a little bit. I know he's still got that pop, but uh, that guy's striking out at a, a torrid rate right now.
0: That was the that was the book on him in the minors, right, Jack? That he was he just had that the holes in his swing, right?
2: Yep, yep. And they're now they're starting to show more and more. Um not that they didn't show a little bit before, but he was able to uh to piece together, you know, the rest of it enough to uh to well he was a, a stud actually in fantasy, but um he's still getting some points. Again, the, the you know, the long ball does count, but uh but I think he's uh I think we may have seen the best of him already. And, uh, like I said, Brendan Rodgers, on the other hand, is is going to be an exciting kid, I think.
0: I gave up a shit ton to get Brendan Rodgers. So to hear you say that, Jack, you, to hear you say that makes me feel a lot better. Yes, <laughs> man, uh, you know, I gave up Mazzara. I gave up my first round staff pick just to get Brendan Rodgers. And then he, he promptly starts the season with a wrist injury, which scares the shit out of me. So, uh, but his, his, um, you know, his ability to get on base, his ability to hit the put the barrel of the bat on the ball has always been there. And that was the thing with with Story was, you know, the question about his ability to, you know, hit the ball enough to be relevant just mlb relevant let alone fantasy relevant and last year was a a spectacular year and i i don't know if you remember this but i actually had story traded him to the dreamers i don't even know what i traded him for but i thought eh, you know he can't hit the ball right so great he's got great power he can't freaking hit
5: the ball so you know i think think that uh last year story and Lemayhu were both kicking ass both they're both not doing very good this year so i believe rogers will be a call up
0: when do you think he's going to be called I believe, up? We'll, I
5: believe we'll see him come September.
0: Well, guys, um, this has been uh, a, 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 an interesting night. I really appreciate it. Mikey, thank you for being a part of this. I think that uh, I is, is pretty it. good.
4: good
0: I'm just going to wrap up with the fellas here. So I'm going to say goodnight to you, Mikey, and, and uh, have a good one. I know it's late there.
1: Greg, nice Hi, to Mike. finally meet you, Greg. Yeah, you too, man. Take hey, Mike.
0: All right, Mikey. Peace, we'll see, Mikey. We'll see you, brother. Peace.
1: Go break.